Well, good evening. Glad to be able to take some time and look together at God's Word tonight. I'm going to take a few weeks here, and we're going to go through a study on, I'm calling it biblical foundations or foundations of our faith. And I feel like it's very important that as we go through life, as we consider the things around us, that from time to time we go back and re-examine our foundations. And uh, if you live in Houston, you have to go examine your foundation from time to time, don't you? And uh, because we have uh, not very good ground to build foundations on. It's pretty soft ground and uh, the water table is very high and so lots of things can cause foundations to shift and, and to sink away and those kind of things. And spiritually speaking, we want to look at the foundations of our faith. And uh, so really our study is going to primarily take place in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, uh, but tonight really is an introduction to that. So we'll look at a few things. So you say, I thought this was supposed to be in Genesis. We'll get there. I want to give the uh, introduction tonight, and the title for tonight really is this, Why Do Foundations Matter? It's a question. Why do foundations matter? Well, we understand if we're building a building, why foundations matter, uh, that you've got to pour a good foundation or you end up with a crooked building. I can take you over to a little town in Italy that I got to drive, go by on a train one time, the little town of Pisa, and you can see a tower there that didn't have a good foundation. And to this day, it's very famously known as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Of course, I know, and you probably know this too, recently in recent years, they've gone back and tried to shore up some things so that it won't continue to lean. And so that's great. So we can all drive by and see the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And it's a wonderful thing in, in the sense of kind of an odd thing to look at, and yet it's not a very practical thing in the sense of, I don't think you'd want to be the person that had the office on that side of the Leaning Tower of Pisa and, and looking down over the ground below you. That would not be a very nice place to be in. So while shifting foundations might be interesting to look at from time to time, generally they are more something we look at you know, with interest or laugh at or wonder what the guy was thinking when he poured that foundation. And uh, spiritually speaking, we, we need to re-examine our foundations. For some of you, this may be the first time you've ever done that, and welcome. We look forward to doing that with you. For some of you, this may seem as things that you've known and you've looked at before, but even if that's your boat tonight, if you've known a lot of these things, coming back and re-examining them is a very important thing to do. The Bible says in Psalm 11, verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed... What can the righteous do? That's a good question. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I would say very simply, foundations matter. They matter whether you're building a building, and really, honestly, more importantly, they matter to our spiritual well-being and our understanding of who God is. We're facing tremendous challenges in our culture today to our Christian faith. And there have always been that throughout history. It's, it's nothing new. We shouldn't be surprised by challenges to the Christian faith. And yet, often those challenges, when they pop up and you hear Christian leaders on one side or the other begin to make comments about the various issues, as they should, and there are many issues out there to make comments about, we need to go back and re-examine why those issues are issues. Because... I think sometimes we can get caught up and we miss the forest for the trees. 
Or we get so focused on the outward um, show of things and the problems that we don't deal with the root of the matter. So if you see a building that's crooked, you can come back in, you can replace some walls, you can do some things, but if the foundation is bad, the foundation is bad and it must be fixed or no matter of adjusting and recocking cracks and everything, it will always still come back and be a problem. And so one of the things I think we have to think about when it comes to foundations is that we be careful to go back and examine the foundational issues so we can truly discern between right and wrong instead of being so caught up just trying to deal with uh, maybe the outward manifestations of the root problems that we see. And I think that'll protect us from a lot of frustration and a lot of angst and a lot of issues that sometimes we face in our world today. The Bible also says this over in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, speaking of this group of men, or men and women, but these people, the children of Issachar, it says these were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. These were unique people because they understood the times. And I think now more than ever, it's good to understand the times. I hope you're examining what's going on. I know at my house lately, I'm getting inundated with flyers from people wanting my vote. Well, that's a wonderful privilege that we have in the United States of America to be able to vote. But how are you supposed to know what to vote for? Do you just go down and put your finger in the wind? Do you just base it on what guy's sign you saw in the corner most recent? Well, there are foundational issues that you want to look at so you can make a good decision. I'm raising children in this culture. You know, I have met people who have said, I can't believe you're raising children in this day and age. It's just such a hard place to raise children. I don't know what we're doing. I thought, well, I didn't really have a choice. It's not like I could raise children 50 years ago or 100 years ago. If I wanted to raise children, I have to raise them today. And yes, there's a lot of bad things in the world. There's a lot of danger out there. There's a lot of difficult problems to deal with. But it doesn't mean necessarily that we should just not have children anymore. Do we understand the times that we are living in? Why do we see uh, all of the struggles within various religious denominations, between various political organizations? Why are all of these issues today? In our school system over the last 60, 70 years, there's been a lot of change in what has been taught. Some of that's due because they've discovered more things. That's always a good thing. But then some of it has been because they've said, we, we don't want to allow prayer in the public school. We don't want to allow the Bible in the public school. And I would say, those are bad things. Well, then what about all the churches? And, you know, I mean, we, you look around the city of Houston, we have churches everywhere. Big churches, little churches, churches that have their services on TV, churches where it's just a, a handful of people, you, you can go on YouTube. Some people don't even go to church anymore. They, they just watch online and they say, well, I just get everything I need from my YouTube pastor, my, you know, my preacher on TV. But honestly, I would say in many ways, the churches today are not even impacting the culture all that much. They're not even really touching the culture. I would say in many cases, the reason for this is that our modern culture has invaded the church. So the church isn't able to impact the culture when the church is just like the culture. That's why we're trying to be different, not to be different just to be different, but we want to make an impact on the culture. We do that as we share with them the love of Jesus Christ. 
Because that's a message that this culture needs. People, a lot of people are very angry because they don't know Jesus. They may know about Him, but to know Jesus means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Having a personal relationship with God will change your life. Years ago, our Western society was built on Christian absolutes based on the Bible. Nowadays, we have all kinds of things that don't seem to be right at all. And yet, some people would argue that they're okay. Sexual deviancy, easy divorce, public lawlessness, abortion on demand, pornography, public nudity. These things used to be considered wrong, and yet now people are arguing that they're within our rights. Well, what, what changed? Well, in our society, people have rejected the Word of God as the absolute authority on which to build one's worldview. And if God's Word is not our absolute authority, then really everything is relative. I, I can pick and choose. I get If God determines right versus wrong, then I have to do things His way. If I get to determine what what is right and what is wrong, then it's just up to me. It's my opinion and you have your opinion and we ought to all just agree to have our own opinions and that's okay. But I would tell you that's not a very strong foundation on which to build a family. It would be very difficult for my wife and I to raise children if we had very different ideas on how those children should be raised. I'm thankful for a wife, then we, we have a lot of back and forth and a lot of communication. We work on things so that we can raise our children to love their grandparents and to serve in their community and to get a good education, do all these things. We don't have perfect kids. You know that because you go to church here. But we're working towards the same goal because we start from the same foundation. Marriages where people aren't heading in the same direction, those marriages struggle. Sometimes they stay together, but often it's just a shell of what it could be. And I would tell you, even in our society today, I don't know about you, but I look at a lot of the issues and I say, there's a lot of problems that need to be addressed. There's lack of education. There's poverty issues. There's all kinds of problems in the public welfare that could be addressed, and yet people can't agree on anything, so the big issues can't get dealt with either. What's the problem? Well, it's because we don't start from the same foundation. We don't have the same starting point. The Bible says it this way, and, it, and this stuff is not new. That's why the Bible is so helpful, because it's teaching us things, and we can learn from how God worked throughout history. It says in Judges 21 and verse 25, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Hey, if it's right for you, that's fine. That's your truth. But what's right for you may not be right for me. I, I can pick what I want to do, and you pick what you want to do. In, in, our, in our world today, people would say, well, that's, that's tolerance. Now, I would tell you, tolerance isn't what people often say it is. You be tolerant of my position, but I don't have to be tolerant of your position. Reality Tolerance today often means that there is an intolerance to the absolutes of Christianity. You say, well, what are those absolutes? We're going to get into some of those things. 
But I'm just trying to make the case tonight for why we need foundations, why foundations matter. Because trying to deal with what I say are absolutes, if you don't even believe that there's a need for foundations, it, it, it kind of misses the point, doesn't it? It kind of uh, takes away the issue. But if you agree with me that we need foundations, then we get to go to God's Word together and find out what those foundations are. And at that point, it becomes God that determines it, not, not me or you. God gets to decide because He is the foundation of it all. Here's another question that some people would say, well, if you're going to talk about foundations and intolerance and all this stuff, it sounds like you're trying to impose your views on somebody else. Do I have a right to impose my views on society? We need to just be neutral on these issues. I would tell you this, though, and, and we'll look at this in a little more detail. There is no such thing as neutrality when it comes to foundational issues. You have to take a position. Let me give you some, some examples of what I'm talking about. In our culture today, there's a, a big push for the separation of church and state. Well, what's the result of the separation of church and state? The idea behind this was we're going to create a neutral place, right? And the government's going to be neutral. It's not going to be swayed by one religion or another. And that idea then moved into the public school. This needs to be a neutral educational place for our children. In one sense, it kind of sounds good on the outside. The problem is it's not actually neutral because by eliminating God's Word, you eliminate Christian thinking. By eliminating God's absolutes from things, now you just open it up to everybody else's ideas. Here's the problem with that if you're a Christian. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. In other words, God Himself says, I'm not neutral. Ephesians 5 and verse 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. God says, you can either be light or you can be darkness. When I wake up in the morning, I would say it's either light in my room or it's dark in my room. Now, we would agree there's varying degrees of how much light comes into a room, but when it's dark, you know it's dark. When I was a boy, we got to travel a little bit and went out to the Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico and walked through those, and those are developed caves. They have lights and they have steps to walk on and railings, and it's, it's pretty fun. But we took a little side trip from there, and we were able, to, with a group of people, we hired a guide, and we went to a, a, an undeveloped cave. Now, this is one where they haven't spent the time and the money to put steps in, and they haven't put lights in, so you, everybody has to bring their own flashlight. And I remember it was really exciting as a kid to have my own flashlight. And uh, we walked through there, all, all six of us, four kids, my mom and dad, we were marching through with our own flashlights. And very quickly, you stop playing with your flashlight because at first when you're a little kid, you're just shining it in your face and everybody else's face. But 
when you get in that cave and it's dark, you want that flashlight, you're pointed down at your feet because you don't want to trip and fall because it's dark. In fact, they got us down in the cave and they had us turn our lights out and it's really dark. I was like, let's turn the lights back on. You know, they, I was ready to turn the light back on. It's so dark, you cannot see your hand in front of your face. We understand the difference between darkness and light. God says in His Word, you're either dark or you're light. There's no in-between. He says, you're either with me or against me. You're either gathering with me or you're scattering abroad. There's no neutral position. The argument was this, that if we remove religion from the school or removed it from the government, then it would create a neutral place in which to govern our nation and which to raise our children. So that brings on the idea that, well, we shouldn't discuss religion or politics. Leave that to the church. But the reality is we end up with schools and even leaders in the government that are not neutral. To have to give up God to talk about science, you've already lost. Because you're either with God or you're against Him. To have to take God out of the political conversation and say, well, that's just a moral issue. We shouldn't bring those in. Take God out of the... You, you've already lost. Bible absolutes cannot be given up in the name of tolerance. If there are no absolutes and everything is relative then things can never get better because it's just everybody deciding what they want to do. And we know what that happens. What happens when that, that goes on? If you don't know what that, ha what that looks like, would you, you can come over and babysit my kids one night and just don't tell them what to do at all. Just, just let them do whatever they want to do. And you'll see exactly what happens. They'll all decide to do what's right in their own eyes. And it won't work. It doesn't work in your house, it doesn't work in a church, and it doesn't work in a school, it doesn't work in a society. There have to be absolutes. Now, I understand people will argue about what those absolutes are, and I'm not here to argue with you. I will try over the next several weeks to just present to you from God's Word what God says those absolutes are. And I will do my very best not to bring in some sort of private interpretation that I've made up and just let you see what the Bible says and you'll be able to make up your own mind based on what the Word of God says. I'll do my best to explain it to you. I'll do my best to try to help you understand these things. Because when everybody gets to decide what they want to do, when God's Word is not the authority... What ends up happening, it takes us all the way back to the book of Genesis. And here's where we'll read a couple verses tonight. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. <coughs> Next week, we're going to look at chapters 1 and 2 a little bit and talk about the foundations of where we came from, our origins. But... Tonight, I want us to look for just a minute at chapter 3 and just one verse, verse 1. Because in, verse, in chapters 1 and 2, it talks about where everything came from. It talks about Adam and Eve, and it talks about the Garden of Eden. And then in chapter 3, all of a sudden, the action begins to take place between good and evil. 
Verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Do you see what the serpent did in that question? Who was the serpent questioning? It's questioning God. Questioning authority. Do we live in a day, an age today where people want to question absolute authority? See, if he can question God, and this is not a question, an honest question, right? Where it's like, I really want to know what God says. There are good, honest questions like that. And if that's you tonight, you have honest questions about what God has said, you're in the right place. We can give you answers from God's Word. But he is here not asking questions because he really wanted to know what God said. He's rather trying to challenge what God had said with the attitude that, did God really say this? Who is God to make these kind of statements. Notice, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What was God thinking that God would keep that from you? We won't take the time to read through the rest of the verses, but as you study through this, you'll see this conversation takes place between Eve and the serpent. You can go and read it for yourself, but in this conversation, as the serpent begins to bring these questions up in Eve's mind, she answers, and if you go back and study her answers compared with what God actually said, her answers weren't actually correct. And you say, well, maybe she didn't really know. That's why we need to re-examine our foundations. Isn't it amazing? Even in chapter 3 of the Bible, Eve had already forgotten her foundations, either willfully or just because she didn't know. But either way, she wasn't solid on her foundation of what God actually said. Because if Eve had known and Eve was ready to respond, she could have said, no, serpent, this is what God said. And this is what I'm going to do. And I would tell you in our modern day that we live today, often you will get questions from people out loud or sometimes just those silent questions where people just kind of look at you funny and think, well, what do you really think about this? Or did God really say that? Or what kind of God would fill in the blank and they say what kind of God would do this and this and this how could a good God allow these kinds of bad things to take those kind of questions come up and so if you understand your foundation you can go right back to those foundational issues and deal with that but if you don't know your foundation you start kind of arguing about other things that while they're important they're not the foundational issue and so you end up kind of arguing and maybe then you agree to disagree and you walk away thinking, I know they're wrong, but I'm not sure how to convince them that they're wrong. Or you walk away thinking, I think I'm right, but boy, they've sure brought some questions up in my mind about this issue. That's why foundations are so important. So that we can know what we believe and why we believe them to be able to give an answer. Satan began his attempt to tempt Eve by calling into question what God had said. If I can call into question what you believe, I can begin to cause doubt. And doubt then can lead to further walking away from the truth. And that's what happened to Eve. She ultimately ended up sinning and then she gave to Adam her husband and 
he did wrong as well. They both sinned. So how did that happen to them? They forgot their foundation. The authority of God's Word is absolutely vital to our understanding of the world around us. If the authority of God's Word is our foundation. I would tell you this way. It is either God's Word that we stand on as our foundation, or it is man's Word. And as God said, there's no way to straddle the middle. Now, I, I want to be careful to acknowledge this. There are many people who will take God's Word <coughs> and they will try to place it on a foundation that man has built. You say, what do I mean by that? Well, it's kind of like this. People try to make a dichotomy in their mind. They say, well, there's a difference between religion and science. I believe science. Some people say, I believe science and I reject religion. Other people say, well, I believe science and religion, but the Bible isn't really clear on scientific issues, so if science explains it, I'm going to let it correct the Bible. Well, that's taking religion and trying to put it on what man's word says. If it's foundational, if it's truly foundational, then I have to say God's word is God's Word. Now, science may help me to understand God's Word better because people have studied some things. I'm not saying science is bad. Science is a wonderful thing. and I, I love science. I've learned so many things as I've studied the world around us. Science just means knowledge. So, knowledge is not bad. In fact, as you study the Bible, it tells us that we're to get knowledge and get understanding. But it also tells us where the beginning of knowledge is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So again, am I building on man's word or on God's word? So it's either God's word or it's not. Our foundation is either on God's word or it's on man's word. When we look at things from God's perspective, then we are, and I'll admit it, we're taking a Biblical bias, right? That's another question people bring up. Well, you're biased. You know, are you, are you, which, what's your bias? Everybody has one. There's nobody that's unbiased. It's impossible to be unbiased when it comes to these issues. You say, well, I don't, I don't have a position. Well, you still have a bias against something. Lots of things affect our bias, right? Where we grew up, where we went to school. I'm biased against the Yankees. And Tom knows that, right? Tom is a big Yankees fan, and so he was very sad after the Astros won last night. I was very happy when the Astros won last night. I even have a picture of my brother Alan at the game with Abe. Don't worry, I'm not offended that Abe took Alan and not me. My brother and I, we're not fighting about that. No, I'm just teasing. I'm glad they got to go. And they had a good time. And the camera just got them. If you were watching the game last night, Alan and Abe, two Arise Church members right there in the middle of the screen. And so they, they had to be at church today. Like it would be the worst thing for them 
Because everybody's going to be like, we know why you weren't there. You were out too late at the game last night. No, we're teasing. But we have a bias, right? Some of you like different teams because of where you're from. That's okay. We acknowledge that a bias is not bad. It just It's helpful to understand where people are coming from. Somebody who grew up in a home where their mom and dad were together and loved each other very much and it was a wonderful marriage, they are going to be more predisposed to think that marriage is a positive thing, whereas somebody who grew up in a home where things were very bad and things weren't good, they, they may look a little bit askance at marriage. Somebody that grew up with lots of money and, and opportunity are going to look at things differently than somebody who grows up without very many things. That's one of the challenges in our society, isn't it? Because even sometimes we have opportunities to lead or minister to people. This happens in a church. This happens in a government. This happens in business. It happens in all kinds of different places where you get to work with people. Sometimes you get to try to help people that had it better than you growing up. Sometimes you're trying to help people that had it worse than you growing up. And it changes, doesn't it? That's why conversations are very helpful and important to understand people, understand where they're coming from. This even hap happens when you're sharing the gospel, doesn't it, Brad? When you talk to some people, they have a, have a knowledge of God's Word. They're coming from a background of going to church and religion. And so when you explain the gospel to them, you already have a starting point. Why? Because they have a bias that way. When you talk to somebody else who maybe hasn't grown up about, around it or they've rejected some portion of it, you might approach them very differently because to them, their bias is very different. So bias is not necessarily bad. It's just we need to understand where it comes from. When someone tries to look at things without God being the foundation, that's taking a bias as well. It's just a different one. So, over the next several weeks, as we get into this study and look at some of these different issues, I, I want to start from the standpoint that I have a bias, and my bias is that God's Word is true. And I'll explain more about why I believe that. We're going to talk about that, because I think that's foundational. That's one of the things. But that's a very important thing for you to understand, that Everyone takes a bias. Everybody has a foundation. The question is where your foundation is. I'm choosing, and you'll see why I hope better over the next few weeks, I'm choosing to take God's Word as my foundation. You may make a different choice. And here's where the wonderful thing is. God loves you too. Jesus died for you too. So this is not me standing up here saying, I'm better than you. This is just saying, Here's where I'm coming from. Here's my foundation. And this is why I'm going to say the things that I say. Now, the wonderful thing is this. When you present truth, I believe, from a biblical foundation, because this is what my foundation teaches, this is what the Bible teaches, that God has the power to take that truth and to work in someone's heart and to change their thinking, to change their bias, to give them a biblical foundation. Now, that's something that I can't do through my speaking abilities, through my powers of persuasion. That's something only God can do. Say, how's that possible? Because He's God. Because He's God. 
So as I present these things over the next few weeks, I hope it doesn't upset you. But if it does, know that this is not me personally attacking you in any way. This is just me presenting the foundation that I believe, which is the Word of God. And here's the part where we can run into problems. And unfortunately, sometimes Christians have done this. And we get accused for things, I think, sometimes rightfully so. Sometimes we present truth and we do it in a very mean way. The Bible never says to do that. It says to speak the truth in love. And that's why we can be accused of being intolerant. And if we're being accused of being intolerant like that, unfortunately, they're right. Because this isn't just a club that I get to beat people over the head with because I don't like them. It has nothing to do with liking somebody or not liking somebody. This has everything to do with understanding our biblical foundation, where we come from, what we believe, and, and why we believe it. And I think if we come to that standpoint, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, then you will come to a place and say, okay, then this is my foundation. Here's what I believe. Therefore, because of that, here's how I'm supposed to behave. And here's how I interact with other people. If you're not a believer and you're hearing these things, hopefully it will cause you to want to study more about what God does say. This is the wonderful thing about God's Word. It has all of the answers to all of life's questions. People have been searching some for many, many years. This book does have the answers. There are plenty of questions. I acknowledge that. But God's Word has the answers. So as we think through these things, I, somebody else may have been able to say it better than me, but I hope that you can come away and say, yes, I agree, foundations are important. You may not agree with my foundation yet. That's okay. I hope you keep coming and listening as we continue to talk about God's Word is the foundation and because it's the foundation, what that means about some of the big life issues that we face in this world. But whether we agree or disagree, I want you to know I love you and I care about you because you matter. God made you. God has a plan for your life. Jesus died for you. He gave to give you eternal life. And we here at our church want to be able to serve you and help you and encourage you. Not just so that you'll agree with us, but most importantly, that you'll be able to walk in a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father and know Him. Because there is nothing better in all the world than a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've told this story before, but maybe some of you haven't heard it. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to meet astronaut Charlie Duke. He's the 10th man to ever walk on the moon. He lives over in New Braunfels. And I was with my kids a few months ago, and we went down to the Space Center here in Houston. We saw his picture on the wall. There he is. Charlie Duke was giving a, a, a talk, and I got to hear him speak, and Went up afterwards, and of course, I wanted to talk to him about what it was like to walk on the moon. I got to shake his hand, got to talk with him a little bit. He just looked at me and said, you know, walking on the moon was great, but I'd much rather talk about the one who made the moon. I said, wow. He said, about six years after I walked on the moon, he walked on the moon when he was about 35 years old. I think he's the youngest man to ever walk on the moon. He said, by that time in my life, at 35, I'd walked on the moon, I came home, and he said, it wasn't long, I fell into deep depression. Because here I was, I was 35, I was still a young man. Had my whole life in front of me, and yet I had accomplished everything I ever wanted to do. 
From the time he was a little boy, he just wanted to go to the moon, and he did at 35. He said, I didn't know what I was going to do next. Pretty soon, it got tiring just signing autographs and doing speeches and doing the same things over and over again. He was a celebrity everywhere he went, and he said about six years after that, someone came and told his wife how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, my wife accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior, and she began to show me from God's Word what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he trusted Christ as his Savior. He's, he's still living. He's one of the few remaining living men who walked on the moon. Pretty fascinating guy. But I love his testimony when he said, walking on the moon was great. But he said, having a personal walk with Jesus Christ is a thousand times better than walking on the moon could ever be. You say, wow, that's quite a perspective from him. See, I think Charlie Duke, not when he was 35, but by the time he was 41 and later on as he grew in his relationship with God, he understood those things better because he had that relationship, which then gave him a foundation on the Word of God. He's not a perfect man any more than I am, any more than you are. But it's changed his life because of that personal relationship. And I would tell you, as we look through these things over the next few weeks, make sure it starts with a personal relationship with God. As we study God's Word together, as we look at these foundational things, I hope it'll help you to know what you believe, why you believe it, and to be able to answer some questions maybe in your mind, or if not in your mind, to be able to better equip you to be able to answer questions for somebody else. So as we finish tonight, I'd love to leave you with a little bit of homework. This is an easy project. But if you can, by next Sunday night, I would encourage you to, if you can, do it each day this week. If not, try to do it at least three times. Read Genesis 1 and 2. Just the first two chapters of the Bible. As you read through those two chapters, I would encourage you maybe to underline any verses that jump out at you. You'll notice chapter 1 is very straightforward. It's just a description of what God did in those first few days there creating the world. You might make some notes of on what day God created what things. In chapter 2, you'll see more about God creating man and woman, about the people that He created, and then about His personal relationship with them. If you come across any questions, make note of those. I know this is a little bit of a big class, but I'd like to be able to have a little time for questions and things that may come up. And so as you read through those, maybe you'll have a few questions as you read those two things. And we're going to talk about this next week. Our foundation, our origin, trying to answer this question, where did we come from and why does it matter? Where did we come from and why does it matter? Again, going back to my foundation, I believe God's Word has the answer for everything, even to that question. So we'll discuss that a little bit next week, and I hope it'll help you as you think about it and uh, as, as we work through these things together.